I always have this uh, sense right after the children's message that there's a number of people here who are sort of moved by the talent of our, uh, of our children's ministry. Nathan and Emily and the others just want to applaud something like that. That was good. We, we love our teammates. It's just, a, it's just such a great thing. Well, frosty westering turned kindness into an art form. Forrest Edward Frosty Westering was a legendary football coach at three different universities, including my alma mater, Pacific Lutheran University out in Tacoma, Washington. Go Lutes! Woo! And Frosty was impressive on every level, but by the numbers, these are some impressive numbers. He, in his career of coaching college football, uh, created the record of 305 wins, 96 losses, and only seven ties. In the 41 years of coaching, he never had a losing season. Frosty took his men to eight different national championships, and they won four of the eight. And in 2003... When Frosty Westering finally retired, he retired as the ninth winningest coach in collegiate football history ever. It's pretty amazing. And then in 2019, not too many years ago, ESPN ranked Frosty Westering 39th on the list of 150 greatest coaches in college football. That's legit. That's just amazing as a human being, a coach, and a person. Now, you need to know that I didn't play football for Frosty Westering, but because I did play trumpet in the wind ensemble and in the lute pep band for all of the home games, I can honestly and proudly say I played for Frosty Westering. (laughs) Now, I don't remember a single piece of music that we as band members played, but I'll never forget, never, ever forget what Frosty taught his players. In the game of life, when someone gets knocked down, you be the first one to help them back up. In the game of life, when someone gets knocked down, you be the first one to help them get back up. Helping people when they're down, being aware of the needs of other people around you, showing compassion, welcoming the stranger. These are all acts of kindness. And Frosty Westering was an authentically kind human being. It's a well-known fact that Frosty was, was far more interested, far more interested in shaping the lives and influence, influencing the, the hearts and minds of his players than in the actual game of football. You would not know that by his record, but he was creating amazing human beings. And it wasn't just theoretical, it was practical. And the way that that looked on the field was nothing short of remarkable. Frosty's players didn't fight, they didn't trash talk, they didn't, they didn't dance in the end zone, they didn't taunt their opponents. They were too busy helping their teammates up off the ground after every play. And not only that, and I think even more remarkably, Frosty was clear with his teams about how to treat their opponents. You see, after tackling an opposing player, Frosty's players would routinely then help those opponents back up, sometimes even complimenting them on the play that they had just made. There were some, of course, that thought this was just a psych job, but really, 
The players were just being the kind of people that Frosty Westering was encouraging them to be. And the question that comes up about all of that for me and for us is this. Who does that? Who does that? And where does that come from? Well, to answer that question, we need to know that Frosty was also a follower of Christ. He was a disciple. Those who knew Frosty heard him say often that his coach was a rabbi that lived a couple of thousand years ago by the name of Jesus. His teammates were other seekers and disciples and followers of that rabbi. And his playbook, his playbook was first written in Aramaic, in Greek, and in Hebrew. And in that playbook, in those ancient words, there's this brief story about a woman whose name was Tabitha. Luke gives us all kinds of details. She, he tells us that she was also known by the Greek version of her name, which was Dorcas. Now, I'm not going to lie. I think we're just going to stick with Tabitha for today. But friends, this is important. This is a little nuance that we have to get. It's important because eventually... Tabitha's name was translated into gracious or grace, which tells us all we need to know about this ancient woman who is remembered in seven verses in Acts chapter 9. Let me share this story of Tabitha with you. Now, in Joppa, there was a disciple whose name was Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas, which in our language is gracious or grace. She was devoted to good works and acts of charity. At that time, she became ill and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in a room upstairs. And since Lida was near Joppa, the disciples who heard that Peter was there sent two men to him with the request, please come to us without delay. And so Peter got up and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the room upstairs. All of the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was with them. Peter put all of them outside. And then he knelt down and prayed. He turned to the body and said, Tabitha, Get up. Then she opened her eyes. And seeing Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. And then calling the saints and the widows, he showed her to be alive. And this became known throughout Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Friends, we're in the very heart of this important series that we're calling Spirit Life. We know that from the very beginning of time, from the beginning of all of this, God's intention for humankind was that we would bear the fruit, we would nurture and then bear the fruit of the Spirit, which leads to generosity, leads to generous love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. 
Just three weeks ago, we heard the story of Esther, how Esther harnessed the power of self-control to bring freedom to her people. We heard the story of Ruth and Naomi, how they tapped into the generosity of patience, which created life-giving relationships among them and their community. Last week, we heard the story of Zacchaeus, how Zacchaeus was searching for more of the fruit of peace in his life, and that brought him to Jesus. This week, we encounter Tabitha. This is a remarkable story. It is a story of resurrection, but with a big twist. We don't want to miss that. Tabitha's story shows us how ordinary people doing ordinary acts of kindness create extraordinary generosity in the world. Now, we don't know a lot about Tabitha, but the seven verses in Acts 9 hardly tell a whole life story. But we do learn some important things about Tabitha that can inform and inspire our lives, how we live our lives today, tomorrow, and through just the week ahead. Some observations. First of all, Tabitha was a disciple of Jesus. No big deal. The Bible's filled with disciples of Jesus. But this is important because Tabitha was a follower, wanted her life to look like Jesus' life. She wanted her life to mirror what the rabbi was doing, unfolding the kingdom of God wherever he was. She wanted to be in on that. And so history remembers Tabitha with just these words. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, but then it goes on to say, she was always doing good and helping the poor. She was always doing good and helping the poor. Friends, I got to say, a hundred years from now, when there's a completely different crowd here, mostly, that they're saying that about this place, that Prince of Peace as a faith community was always doing good and helping the poor. The question that we get to meditate on is how do we make that true of ourselves? Somewhere along the way, Tabitha became acquainted with Jesus. She heard about Jesus, and her commitment, her devotion to Jesus drove her to great kindness, the kind of which we're still talking about thousands of years later. Second, Tabitha's life, her discipleship, impacted her whole community, so much so that when Tabitha died, who do we find standing around her at her deathbed? She is surrounded by the very people that she had shown kindness to by making them robes and prayer shawls and other clothing. When she died, the people of Joppa remembered all of that and came, and I think with a spirit of gratitude, gave thanks for her life, her generous kindness to them, and they were repaying their respects. That's deep impact. And thirdly, one more bit of uh, a, a note to stall on here. As a disciple of Jesus, Tabitha used her natural abilities as acts of ministry. <laughs> I just love this one. She used her natural abilities as acts of ministry. She just used what she had. She just did what she was good at to bless the world around her. That created a spirit of generosity and generous kindness in her community. 
Tabitha was good with a needle and thread. So what better way to serve the mission of the unfolding kingdom of God among them than to continue to keep the widows in that community dressed well? It's not, it's not always about big, gigantic projects. It's not always about acts of kindness that people will talk about forever and a day. But it's the little things that you do. It's the small things that we do together at Prince of Peace to make a difference in the lives of people near and far. So, friends, I want this to be really sticky for us. I want us to be thinking about this tonight, tomorrow afternoon, Wednesday evening, next weekend. The story of Tabitha provides some clear insights into how to live generous lives of kindness. Just a couple for you this morning. I want to encourage you to use the gifts that you've been given to help others. To use the gifts that God has placed into your life to help others. Tabitha, this sweet sister in Christ, this grace-filled disciple, had a talent for designing and tailoring and stitching. So she put that to good use to make clothing for people in need. The question that comes up for us at this moment, of course, is what gift is being nurtured in you that you can share with others? What gift is waiting to be used by you in your life to bless others. Now, we know that the best way to love Jesus is to love others. We love Jesus when we cook a meal for a friend who's going through a difficult time, struggling with grief and loss. We love Jesus when we open a door for someone who is trying to navigate some bags of groceries or a child or two or maybe even three. We love Jesus when we send a thoughtful card to someone who's having a rough time, who needs some love. We love Jesus when we make a call to someone that we may not have seen in church for a while and we want to invite them to come back to this living, breathing community that we are. All the little things that we do in the name of Jesus matters because kindness matters. Sure. It's easy to measure their efficiency and all of that by large or small, but it's really about being consistent as a body of Christ in this place to reach out and to bless the lives of other people around us. And if we do that, it may just look a little bit like this. After immigrating to the United States in the 1970s, Bacht worked tirelessly to earn an income through various trades while sending money to his family in Vietnam. His hope was that eventually they would all be together in the USA. In the early 2000s, his adult daughter, who already resided in the United States, decided to act as the immigration sponsor for Bach's wife, Zhuen. This decision made it possible for the whole family to reunite in the United States. In the summer of 2022, Bach and Schuen moved to Minnesota from Seattle so that in their retirement years, they could be close and enjoy time with their adult children and grandchildren. Our guests' previous experience at, at Prince of Peace was that they were connected via their children and grandchildren who do attend CDLC. And because they had a comfort level with that, it made it an easy transition to come to Mission Outpost 
to get food resources. During some of his first food shelf visits, Bach asked the Community Research Center for help in completing Minnesota financial assistance forms for food and medical needs. There was just this great mystery around the whole process of why aren't these assistance programs that I had in my previous state following me? And so um, there was a, a language barrier and the Resource Center is here to help people with anything like that. Because of his wife's sponsorship coming here, there was some um, entanglements trying to get any kind of financial or housing aid and just even work through all the different agencies to kind of figure that out is a challenge. And then, because you need to know the right keywords to kind of say, and then once you do find out what's, why it's been rejected, then you got to figure out the solution. In speaking with multiple agencies, Bach could strive to remove this obstacle by either choosing to complete a formal appeal to have the application reconsidered, seeking legal help to remove the sponsor, or pursuing citizenship. So I was working with him to get the, the paperwork filled out, and then ultimately there was a rejection that came through, and then it's trying to figure out why it was rejected. So there was a lot of time spent on the phone trying and being on hold and then calling back and, and just to kind of figure out exactly what the challenges were there. And so it was a, it was a bit of a process. Together, the process of becoming a U.S. citizen was researched. A study guide was printed and contact numbers to proceed were found. But then he also was able to get an audit of his financial situation with the sponsorship and we got that cleared up. So he, he is now able to kind of get some assistance through Dakota County. Additionally, Bach and Schuen filed applications for citizenship, and they anticipate being sworn in as naturalized citizens in the fall of 2023. Mission Outpost is excited to celebrate this milestone with Bach and Schuen. Bach's story illustrates the grit and determination it takes to navigate complex government, healthcare, and nonprofit systems. It is understandable when people who need extra support become overwhelmed and discouraged. This is what Mission Outpost Connect is about to say, what can we do to help you further, to help you in a deeper way, to overcome some really serious obstacles. The compassionate presence of another adult walking together for up to six months for encouragement, clarification, and advocacy can help a participant achieve their goal and ultimately improve their life. Not everyone has good experiences when they go to social service agencies. And I think because of that sweetness and environment that's created here by the people of this church, it makes it a great experience for those in the community that need it. And the word spreads. That's a story of resurrection. That's a story of new life in the midst of what seemed like a dead end, the end of things as we knew it is this new hope, this new possibility. That's the story of Tabitha. That's the story that we just experienced together. That's legacy. And that's what we are about leaving, creating, and then passing on to others. So that 100 years from now, when there's a whole new community that's many times bigger than this, perhaps, people's lives will continue to be touched in ways we can't imagine. So friends, that brings me to this encouragement to let your life speak. Let your life speak.
Tabitha, also known as Grace, was called a disciple because she was intentional about letting her life speak. She wanted her life to look like the life of the rabbi. She knew that Jesus was calling people to give and to care and to provide what they could to express generous kindness in her life. Tabitha knew that she was all about that in her life. That's what we're about. That's what this story tells us. So that next week when we bring our our statement of intent for how we're going to continue to live into the, the, the mission and the ministry of Prince of Peace, when we do that together, when everybody gives a little so that nobody has to do a lot, when we come as a body of Christ, we can ensure for generations to come that God's mission and ministry through this place will continue to speak. And that belongs to each one of us. That is the mission and the ministry that we share. Frosty Westering modeled that for me. And he modeled that for thousands of others who never played football and certainly never played an instrument in a, in a band. But because of that, all of us now do know this biblically-centered truth that in the game of life, when someone gets knocked down, we are all called to be those who help them back up. And that is showing generous kindness. Can I get an amen? Amen. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you that you call us more deeply into this ministry that you have given to us. You not only call us, but you equip us to do that. We thank you that you know us, you love us, that we, seeing your kindness to us, can share that with others. We thank you. It's in the strong name of Christ that we pray. And again, all God's people said.